Now listening to Lost Cast, the Lost Decade Games podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Lost Cast, episode 210. I'm Matt Haggett. And I'm Jeff Blair. January games, as well as listener questions. Yeah, yeah. It's on the slate for today. So January is over. It is sadly no longer January. Last week we said the same thing, but we were liars. What? Liars. Was over? Yeah. <laughs> there was more time. Is that Princess Bride? Yes, I think it was. It yeah, yes. so much Princess Bride in this podcast. <laughs> there is everywhere. More, I think. Um, as you wish. Anyways, uh, big props to everybody that participated. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, big time. And we thought it'd be cool to kind of go through some of the games and just uh, maybe talk about them, give people a shout out for participating. For sure, yeah. Um, also, you at home listening to the podcast, you can also rate these January games if you go to, I think it's itch.io slash jam slash January. You got it. Yep. All right. You can, uh, you can go try. rate all these games on a variety of factors, including fun, art, theme, and so on. What's so on? How do you rate a game on so on? It's fairly subjective. You're like, <laughs> good enough. It's good enough. I all give right. it four out of five so ons. I actually did a live stream of some of these games oh, on yeah. uh, Saturday. You should, you should link to that in the show notes, perhaps. What, the live stream? Oh. The, Doesn't, isn't the, there an archive? Oh, there might be. Can't you link to a pat something in the past? A, a past twitching? I, I thought, thought that you could. Or you, I think did, you can. You didn't export it to YouTube, I guess. You can export, and I'm pretty sure uh, Twitch will cache it at least for a while. Yeah. But yeah, if it's there, I'll link to it. So maybe you can watch it or not. Maybe. But either way, you can definitely play the games for yourself. Yes. So, so let's jump into them. Um, I've got some notes here because I wanted to, you know, my brain is terrible at memory, uh, remembering everything. So here we go. I've got notes. Ship it by Joe's way. The coolest nerd guy. Did you play that one? I did. I shipped it. I shipped it all the way to the end of the game and then it swore at me. Wait, so you, you figured it out then because I, I failed. I failed at that one. You failed it at what? At shipping it. <laughs> I did not ship it. <laughs> Sounds like real life. Just like real life. Exactly. Um, so let's say you figured it out i you, did yeah you moved the boxes to the correct places so there's three colors of boxes there's the red boxes the green boxes and the black boxes and the black boxes can go anywhere and the red and green boxes can't be next to each other so it's sort of like a puzzle game gotcha um and if you correctly arrange them uh the shipping containers you get to ship it so nice very well done uh totally on theme obviously yeah ship it i think if not every single lost cast episode then the vast majority has ship it at the, the end vast, the vast also probably somewhere in the middle also Good container ships yeah <laughs> container ships yes <laughs> uh very good work there uh we got tiger hatton by aaron mcleod nice i like this one this is the one where you can uh you're killing things and they drop tiger hats and you have this ever-increasing stack of tiger hats on your head yes it's like a single screen arena kind of like onslaught arena and yeah the monsters will drop hats and then like when i was playing i had a stack of like 20 hats and i like how it draws it on screen you get this big you know stacked hat column also the different tiger hats give you different stat effects which is kind of cool yeah so awesome job yeah dug that one Good stuff. Legend of Lava Blade um, by Slightly Dubious. I like to call Slightly Dubious Slightly Dubs. I don't know if, if uh, Slightly Dubs likes about, that or not. How about Sly Dubs? Sly, Dub, Sly like Dubs. Sly Dubs. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I had a good time with this one. Um, I really liked that the mechanics were really simple, but there was depth of gameplay there. Yes. Yeah, I thought he did a really great job. Um, I really wanted to play all the way to the end, and I did. It took me quite a while and many, many Lava Blades. Yes. I love that the blades were left behind. You could see where your corpses were. Yes. Yeah. I think that's such a common thing in games to kind of hit the reset button and erase all memory, you know, and then redraw everything and whatnot. And, uh, you know, games the most recent years, especially indie games, have been pretty good about keeping stuff around. Uh, actually, that's one of the changes from Wizard Lizard 1 to AWL 2 is that we kept stuff around, right? Like everything's got a corpse. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Makes everything uh, harder to make because everything has to have more elements more drawings and, and stuff but uh worth it probably then you have to render you know 270 lava blades onto the screen 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I was uh, a little nervous because I was live streaming that one, and I was like, "Am I going to be able to finish this?" <laughs> like, and like just today, I was playing some. Uh, I made a YouTube video. I'm going to play some uh, more recent indie game sim games, and um, there's at least a couple by this uh, YouTuber named Cac. These really devious levels, and I just couldn't finish them. And that's that's embarrassing when you're <laughs> you're you're you know either streaming or making a video of your of your you know playtime, and you clearly suck. You're not I very good at games. You would think that you and I have learned long ago that we're not the best <laughs> at our own games, either creating or playing. Yeah, the levels. Yeah, you know. exactly. I, I think we know. We st- we still try. Yes, put in the effort. Uh, yeah, really cool one. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. I thought it was well designed. Good stuff. Yep, and uh, fit uh, Lava Blade theme. Uh, Raga's Room by um, Watch Your Step. It's by Jay. Um, Jay's the one who did the really awesome Raga 3D stuff. Which you lifted for your own January game. I did. I stole the Raga head. No, I, I, let me let me use it, but uh, I didn't make that. That's when my jam. Uh, but you can see Raga's head here on a body and animated, and Raga's got his tongue and everything. And this is basically like a Soul Thief library dungeon sandbox built in uh, Unreal. It's really cool. Um, like, I love all the little details about the room and like the stack of the books and the colors and like the angles are like you know just like the sprite that you would see in in our version it's very cool yeah i was very impressed by his ability to take just a 2d drawing sometimes even just just a single frame and to convert that into a 3d object um very impressive yeah pretty fun it's it's like you know obviously as being the creators of the game it's so fun to just kind of walk around a 3d representation of something you built you know it's pretty cool yeah yeah and we were both kind of lamenting we're like Oh my god, he did this in a month. We've been working on Soul Thief for like six months. Like <laughs> someone just put the game in his hands and be like, just just make it. Just you'll do you'll do it better and faster than us. So please just ship, ship it. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, really good stuff there. Um Lol Dungeon Jam Edition by VJ Browning. Did you play this, that one? I did not. Um I think this one came in later and I haven't had a chance to come back and play it. So it has a server-client relationship. So you run your own little server, and then you connect to it with your own client. And I was just me by my lonesome, so I don't know if you can have like multiple people connect to that uh, server. I think but you either can. Way, they, were oh, talking, can you? they were talking in Discord about uh, having everybody join up in some server and like take a screenshot. Oh, cool. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I walked around, and it was uh, you know looked like a Final Fantasy or Dragon Warrior, like the really old... Um, NES classics. It reminded me of that, the overhead perspective. Nice. And uh, there's a large area to explore with the server client going on. That's really cool. It's very impressive to do a multiplayer game, I think, in a month. Yeah, I think so too. So, yeah. Big props there. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, My Jam by Fman1. Um, Isaac, really good artist. Um, this one is cool. Did you play this one? I did, yeah. So, like an overhead kind of uh, adventure game um, on like a real um, simple grid, like a three by three map probably and all hand-drawn graphics and isaac's a really good artist so it looks really cool and you're in it i'm in it uh joshua morris is in it it's a bunch of cats there are a bunch of cats go and collect the cats yeah that was pretty fun um and i liked you know i really dug the art style it was um it was pretty interesting you know it's like kind of this hand-drawn thing but then you know in the digital game it's pretty cool it's a cool effect yeah that was very cool. Uh, also, the touching ending. I don't no spoilers. I don't want to spoil it for you. If you want to see the ending, you should go play the game because it's really cool. Uh, and the, the ending was very touching. And uh, I just want to say that I appreciate that um, that personal touch. And my heart goes out. Awesome. Uh, Unstable by Ryan Kubik. So, did you play this one? Unstable. This one I could not get to work in the browser when I tried to play it. Hmm. So let's see, uh, had a real like Atari style. It reminded me a lot of the 2600 days. That's what, what I cut my teeth on when I was growing up. Uh, you collect the coins and then you exit and you avoid the hazards along the way. And there's probably like a half dozen little levels, I think. Very nice. cool. Yeah, it had that nice uh, like Atari style polish. I liked it. That's how, the screenshot looks pretty cool. I don't know why this doesn't work for me. Because everyone yeah. else is saying good things about it on the comments. Yeah, there was another one that was uh, only available for Mac and um, Windows 32-bit systems, and I didn't get to play it on my Mac yet. This is this is a browser game, though, I feel like, so I don't know. Yeah, that one maybe, should work for you. Maybe I'm browsering wrong. 
Learn how to browser. <laughs> to browser. Anyways, I'll come back and try that because that sounds cool. I'm also yeah. going to try uh, VJ Brownings again too because I do want to try the client server thing out. Well, if it's client server, we should play together. Oh, that's true. We should. Yeah. Oh, we got a bunch of games we need to play together. There's also the Steam games. We need to get on it. So much to do. Um, we also have Decades Lost by Vox. Nice. Did you play that one? I did. Uh, although I have to admit, I could not beat i could not defeat the darkness that's another one of the live stream i really had to think and figure it out uh like it took I, me several goes to figure out what the game was trying to tell me you know because i was misinterpreting um what the hazards were doing really yeah well i thought they were like creeping towards you like moving like, like when i first started fighting the darkness i thought that there was some damage you had to take but it's actually um it's like a grid kind of um so the, the challenge there is to find out where the safe spots are and to move um, between them based on timing. Right. I, I got that part, but I couldn't execute it well enough. I guess. Gotcha. So I'm better at video games than you are. Uh, we knew that already. know <laughs> <laughs> that's all it was. It's just cause I was playing as myself. That's what it was. Yes. Either that yeah. or I just wanted to have you killed over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Not just once. You heard it here. If oh I get God. murdered repeatedly, it that was Jeff Flair. That sucks. <laughs> This character's terrible. Did you only kill him twice? More murder. Yes. Kill him Kill him repeatedly. Anyway, so, I love the game yeah. and the references, and it's really good stuff. And the pixel art. And the pixel art, yes. So you start off in a dungeon. It's a overhead Zelda-style uh, look to it with a hand-drawn pixel art. You can choose between Matt or Jeff. And uh, if you pick Matt, you can go over to the left. Um, there's lots of dialogue that walks you through what's going on. You get an axe from the... Uh, Stone slab that used to be our logo. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you use that axe against the darkness, which is like the the boss yeah. of, uh, of this experience. So it kind of you know it's kind of telling my journey, sort of like the same sort of story that Indie Game Sim is is telling, but uh, but Vox Voxified, Voxified, Voxified. Anyways, stuff. I thought it was great. So excellent yeah, job. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's very too bad that I suck at games. <laughs> uh, I thought that one was very uh, touching too. Um, my only regret is I could not read all the dialogue. It had a really cool, you know, like stylized font, but so tiny. It's so 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 itty bitty, Jeff. And not with your old man Matt eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I really appreciated that. Uh, you know, there was gameplay there, but there was also um, story elements. Yes. So a lot, a lot of meat on the bone there. Very cool. I liked it. Good stuff with the jam. I don't know. I think that now that rating is live um that you can oh, rate them and then what got to talk about hactics hactics where is that in my notes oh no did i not play that one maybe this is the one you couldn't play because of the exes or something oh maybe did you play this one i did yeah Ooh, well um, uh, me my guest this one was very fun it's sort of a final fantasy tactics inspired like battle system oh that's right up your um, boat oh yeah it's really good uh i like it a lot this is like, you know, something that I would want to make myself. I was really impressed again, you know, how much people can get done in a month. So it's really yeah. cool. Um, you know, there's a whole battle and like, it's like a 3d tactics grid, right? Where you can like, you can rotate it. You can kind of change the aim of the camera a little bit. You can zoom in, you can zoom out. Um, and it's got the billboard sprites from various angles. Mm. And there's like a, you know, a warrior class and a mage class. And then there's an enemy and then, you know, a few different abilities that you can use and can move and attack. Like it's a whole, the whole game loop's there, so. Maybe that's cool the one stuff. I need to play on my Mac. I'll look into that one. Yeah. Yeah, and I if think, there's others that we've missed, uh, by all means, let us know. I think that's it. Tactics. At least Tiger Hat and ship it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how the uh, actual rating works, but I think that there are prizes, including even some uh, cash prizes. Wow. They'll Ooh. put money on the table, and then uh, I'm going to draw an avatar for somebody and then uh, people be getting LDG Steam keys for sure. Oh, yeah. People so, be getting yeah. prizes to be dispersed at some point. But that was the jam. Thanks for participating, everybody. And a special big thanks to Vox for quarterbacking and uh, running the whole thing. So, uh, so yeah. Round of applause all around. Good yeah, job, that was great. I, uh, I really enjoyed all the participation, like seeing everybody kind of work on their stuff over the course of the month. So. Yeah, it's very motivating because you know even you and I kind of dipped in and like made our own little things. Yeah, that's how motivating it was. It was. So uh, next we have some questions. All right. <laughs> 
We got a lovely email from uh, Stephen. Thank you very much for the questions and then also for uh, some really nice things uh, that were said. Um, look for a reply shortly. And then uh, right now we're going to dig into the questions. So question number one, uh, I really like that. Uh, if you've noticed, there's a, the, like the most common type of listener that finds us is uh, a web developer who realizes you can use that stuff now to make games just like we did. Right. Yep. <laughs> Which makes sense. Cause that's, that's our story. And so people might be Googling stuff like from web to games or something and they stumble upon us, you know? Um, so these questions are kind of about like using web tech to make games. Right. So the first question is, um, about tweening and polishing. I never know if I should read the questions verbatim or if we should like extract what that question's about. <laughs> uh, I'd say paraphrase it. Yeah. So uh, he uses phrases like uh, jelly-like wobble. We've talked about this stuff before. Uh, I think that the Wizards Lizard games do a pretty good job of being nice and squishy and juicy. So like, yeah, the first question is basically about like how to add tweening and juice and, and wobbliness to, to your game sprites. Um, I think it's interesting. He said, uh, I've tried that, but I keep having some kind of a leak that causes elements to creep off the screen or distort over time. And we've got bugs like that before. Even in Soul Thief, there was this one where um, the killer plants are like made up of not doll pieces like we used to use, but just like separate views. So you could have like the head might separate from the body, right? Yeah. And because the, just the way the code was written, sometimes the head would detach from the body and float away. Like, especially over time. So, I mean, even recently, we have uh, these kind of bugs. So, like, don't feel bad if you've got that kind of stuff going on with your code. Like, you'll figure it out, right? Yeah, I think that it's really important to just kind of uh, get a really nice tweeting library. Either, you know, use one or... In JavaScript, it's it's pretty easy to write, right? Uh, yeah. Tweeting. Because really all it is, right, is that you're taking two numbers and you're... Uh, using some algorithm to say how long in between, you know, those numbers, like where should I be in terms of my animation? So like yeah. if you have a box and you want it to go from zero to 200 on the screen uh, over 500 milliseconds, you know, you can do a little mathematical calculation that will tell you, you know, where along that x-axis that box should be rendered at any given point in time. Right. I, I think when you first start using tweening, it can be kind of overwhelming or intimidating because the algorithms that you'll be using look nuts, right? It looks like um, regex, or it just looks like these garbled mess. Like, it reminds me of Perl scripting. Remember all that? <laughs> With scripting yeah. Perl, like, you want to validate a form or something, and, like, just paste this code. Blah. You know? But the thing is, yeah, it's, it's a really simple thing to apply, and it really is just an algorithm that you stick into a formula, and it takes care of itself. The first version of our game engine, Gen, I want to say this is true. It's definitely true for earlier uh, game engines that we worked on, but I think it's true for Gen 2. Actually, all the tweens came directly from YUI, because think, why not? I think it was jQuery. Was it jQuery? It was something. And they're probably they the same, yeah. right? Yeah, they're, yeah, probably, they're probably all about the same. It's like just a simple math formula. And, you know, it'll be something along the line of, like, something linear or something where uh, you'll see terms like ease out or um, ease in or ease both. Uh, I like stuff when I'm, you know, especially doing polish on games. Like, let's say, for example, um, an item appears in a Wizard Lizard, like a Zelda type game, right? We have a just a custom uh, method we'll called uh, that we call, which is called Squishy Appear. Remember Squishy Appear? Oh, I love Squishy Appear. It's great. You use it everywhere. And Squishy Appear, well, it'll take, a, let's call it a sprite, takes a sprite, and it shrinks it down to nothing, right? So you don't see it when it first appears. And then it'll scale it up like um, the width maybe to like a quarter, like 0.25 or 25%. And the height will be like two or three times. So it like it appears really long and stretchy at first, right? And then when it appears, it'll go from that to really flat like a pancake, right? Where it's like maybe two or three width and then very short height, like 25% or so. And then uh, from there, it'll go and use like a wobbly um, tween, something like... What would that be? Elastic out? Yeah. Something like that. And it'll, uh, that's how it'll get back to scale 1 1, like scale X1, scale Y1, where it goes back to the way it's supposed to look, right? So it starts off with these really exaggerated movements, and they're very fast, too. Like this all happens in less than a second, right? And the object will appear, whoop, and it does these crazy animations. And then by the end, it kind of like and wobbles back to base look, like 1 1, right? Yeah. I like it. That's a great effect. And it really, you know, it really behooves you to have like a nice little tool set of 
those kinds of animations because it makes developing right. a lot easier. Um, and it kind of like gets you in this mode of like polished by default almost, right? Yeah. When, you know, you can like, you know, you show an element and you can just say, hey, squishy up here, this element or whatever, right? And, right. You know, having that be so easy, you don't even have to come back later and think about it. And they're pretty good placeholders, even if you want the animation eventually to look like something else. If you just give it something like squishy appear, like you could attach that to your projectiles, like when you're firing a gun or something, right? And then later you might want to add something else. But uh, I think that it it looks better a lot of times than just particles appearing out of nowhere or something. What's the juice, right? The juice. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Another thing that I would add is like um, in Soul Thief, when you turn your direction, if you're moving to the left and all of a sudden now you're moving to the right, uh, I'll add like a little pulse. Like a whoop whoop, you know, just to kind of shrink the sprite a little bit. Um, I think what I do there is I'll do something like a very short tween, like 100 milliseconds each from like a scale down to 0.8, then back up to one. Just a whoop whoop, you know, just like a little bit of squish to make the view look less um, like rigid, you know? Yeah, basically any time you have something that immediately changes, uh, either by coming into existence in the world or by changing its like sprite frame by yeah. you know, turning direction or something it almost always looks better when you add a little bit of tween to it because it sort of hides the fact that there's not a real animation going on there right right so yeah. instead of like these stiff boards billboard looking things you know they look like they have some life to them yeah even with no animation you can do i mean no like um hand-drawn frames right no like sprite animation like no sprite sheet uh, you can do a lot with just the tweening uh, as far as implementation goes, it's going to vary a lot um, depending on like the framework you're using. You know, if if you wrote your own vanilla JavaScript engine, you want to insert it into your tick somehow. Um, the way I figured it out how to implement it into the game engines that I was writing from scratch is I was looking at stuff like YUI and jQuery because it's it's the same stuff. It's JavaScript and it's just taking uh, an arbitrary object and it's just you know altering the properties, right? And those are yeah. good starting points. So, like, if you need to actually see implementation, like, I'm sure Phaser does it, right? Like, check out how Phaser's doing it. And then, you know, if you're using Phaser, bam, there you go. But if not, like, extract what you need, learn from the code, and then implement it yourself. I feel like I've written a whole bunch of tweening things over the course of <laughs> you have time. You fixed the... Because, like, the earliest version of, of Jin was, like I was saying, just some tweening stuff I put in there, right? And then there was a problem where over time... Um, like, okay, let's say here's an example. I want an object to tween from X, uh, 100 to X 200. So it just, whoop, just goes from left to right. Right. Yep. Uh, depending on the tick, it would like, it would not be this steady flow, right? It would be, um, <laughs> it would like slow down near the end or speed up in the middle or something. And it's because the ticks were inconsistent. And then, so you fix that math so that it would kind of smooth out over time. Yeah, uh, the remember that? System, yeah, I do the tweening system a while ago. Jin got pretty good, actually. Yeah, it is. It's really good. So, but it all stuff. came from other stuff out there. Yeah. All right. Next question. Q two. Um, let's see. What's this? One? Oh, this is like local storage stuff. Like, how do you save your game uh, in an HTML five game? Right. Yes. So. So it's like. Uh, yeah. What kind of structure do you use, and then what kind of you know storage do you use? Oh, the structure just, too. Yeah, the structure I think is is particularly interesting um, because so like I had just implemented I don't not really complicated data but kind of a lot of data in any game sim right. Um, there's your own levels that you can make your own games. There's your competitors' games. There's reviews um, that you know not not Steam but uh, Vault owners will write of your games. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there's also a bunch of flags, like you do have this product or you have bought this thing or you have unlocked this, or you have seen this story element. And the way that I was doing it is I just throw everything into, um, basically like a global list. So what I had was these things I would just call flags and it's just like in, in JavaScript, just an object. And so it's key value. And you'd be like, uh, the flag, you know, has medium sized games equals true. That's it. And if you want it to be false, you just set the flag false and there you go. Easy peasy. Yeah, um, I think that one of the things that I always run into with those systems is that you need to just be careful about how you handle default values <clears throat> because it's like kind of the one of the gotchas is that whenever you're saving a persisting data, right? Like if your implementation just says, hey, I take whatever's in local storage and I read it back uh, into the game state, um, and if you haven't accounted for, you know, new variables that have been added, 
yeah then you know things could break right yeah. Uh, because your newish game state, right, might or your new your new game code might be expecting a new flag to be there, right, uh, or some other value that's not there any that's not there in the save data. Um, so you need to do like an object merge. Um, it's really like just a kind of a common JavaScript thing, right, where you take one object and then you you know superimpose the keys from another object into it, essentially. Um, so, anyways, I always start with the default data and then superimpose the save data onto that. So that if the save data didn't have an existing key for a certain value, it just remains as the default. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I was wondering how you did that because I know that sometimes we, like uh, with AWL1, we would update it and something would break and then you had to do that merge fix. And then after that, it was just a problem that disappeared. It was gone. Yeah. The merge solved all those problems. It's uh, You always have to be careful when you're working with player data because you know a lot of things can happen to it, right? It can be out of date and you know like this is a thing that a lot of people run into in like enterprise stuff right like how do you like upgrade the database schema right. on live data yeah um, that's not an easy problem sometimes but yeah it's uh so it's pretty good we just uh, and always end up using local storage in the browser because it fit our needs right it was like um quick and easy right. and didn't require a whole lot of and you know it has good support didn't require a whole lot of implementation um our usage generally tended to be just dumping everything so like we basically have the game state as a json object and we just write that entire json stringified json value into local storage right as opposed to because local storage itself is a key value store so you could put all of your keys you know in separate local storage um keys but i think it's you know a little bit cleaner to kind of keep them all in one JavaScript object so that your game state is only serialized and uh, read from one local storage key because I think that makes it a little easier to be portable. You know, if yeah. you needed to change out the data store or something, it would be not as much of a problem. Well, on that note, you did the Steam implementation for saving under the cloud. Yes. And so did that benefit uh, from our approach to local storage of the single key? Uh, absolutely, yeah, because... nice. Basically, what I did was any time that it was going to write to local storage, uh, that stringified JSON value, all I did was then write that to, you know, it's in Steam Cloud, it's kind of like a file. So Steam Cloud is kind of weird. It's not like a key value store necessarily. I mean, it sort of is because you just say like, here's a file name and then here's some contents. Hmm. So, I mean, you could really just think of the file name as like a key and then whatever the file contents are is the, you know, contents right so yeah but it was it was really easy that way because you know both systems just say like hey here's a here's a string of data and i don't really care what format it's in i'm not going to worry about keys or values or whatever it's just like here's a string yeah store it and then give me it back later and then we use the json parse and json stringify within the, the javascript code to, to manage that sounds uh easy peasy it is very easy peasy um for that for that reason we like we've never had a reason to even look into things like index db uh or sql Lite or any of that stuff i mean maybe if you had a more complicated game and certainly if you're doing something um you know on the server you probably would want like a proper database but um you know for our kind of single player usage local storage was more than fine yeah i think there's something like a five megabyte limit but i don't think we've ever hit that yeah, I mean, the game state, as long as you're smart about stuff, it doesn't tend to be very big for most games that I found. Like, more often than not, you know, you just need to store some references or some flags, right? Either some numbers or some, like, flag true-false values. You know, it's very rare that you need to store, at least for our games, right? Then you need to store, like, a whole ton of data. Yeah. Um, because most of that stuff you can just get from your existing game data, right? Right. Like, you know, you don't need to store map data. You can just say level like the the player's on level two, whatever that is, and then when you're so you only persist the number two in local storage, and then you know you let the game recreate level two from whatever your level data is. Right. Couldn't do that with any game sim, but that is kind of a weird edge case game. Right. Because it is a glorified map editor kind of. Right, but I mean, I, I would assume that with. Uh, indie game sim, you know, you could just store like a flattened array of yeah, numbers, exactly. right? Yeah. 
Which is like, it's not that much data, right? It is a lot. It, if you, so like if you make a large map and you fill it full of entities and then mm-hmm. you create like a share URL, it's pretty rotten. It's pretty I, I, I tried testing some, uh, you know, compression algorithms, uh, but nothing, they all added to the length. I was either doing it wrong or I, don't know, I lost interest because <laughs> it works. You know what I mean? Like it works fine. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would love it if the URLs were shorter, but like, if you really want a shorter URL, you can do it. The internet has those things. For so you. did you ever do any testing to see, you know, what is the map, like get, given a large map with as many entities as you can put into a game, like how many kilobytes it's, is that? It's big. It's like a 7,000 character string or something. But I mean, in terms of local storage, how much data is it? Oh, no, it's still, it doesn't approach even, yeah, nothing. Nothing, yeah. So it's really only a problem for the URL passing. Right. And even then, only on old crappy browsers. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Right. And then some, some URL shorteners even are like, whoa, no, that string is too long. I don't <laughs> want it. But uh, <laughs> tiny URL, the original right the og url shortener was like it's cool man i bet it's an attack vector or something right you could like <laughs> create a whole bunch of like uh minified garbled javascript into like a data url or something and then oh i'm sure yeah yeah who knows hackers hackers know <laughs> they, they gotta ruin it for everybody they're like no no you can't do that it's all good keep using them <laughs> keep doing it Yes. Anyway, so uh, I hope that answers the questions. Yes. Uh, check out our Discord as well. It's full of developers and especially uh, web tech types who can uh, definitely help with uh, more questions like that or send them our way. Via email, hello at losttechadgames.com. We love getting questions. That's right. So, Matt. Yes. What have you been playing lately? What have I been playing? <clears throat> you know, I did play Owlboy. Did I talk about that already? Did I talk about that? I think I think you and I talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. Is there a difference anymore? <laughs> Is there a difference? <laughs> <sighs> like sometimes we should just yeah, we talk about that. We should just take a mic and just turn like just hit the record button because we talk a lot. Let's just do like Truman Show. Turn Lostcast <laughs> into like a twenty-four hour <laughs> life. That would feature a lot of pajamas. <laughs> a lot of pajamas <laughs> featuring uh, pajamas. <laughs> Let's just let's just talk about Hellboy because why not, right? Yeah. So I played it. I've been meaning to play it. Um, I don't know if I said this before, but like I've been following uh, Snake Pixel on uh, from Pixel Joint for a while, a couple of years at least, and I'm just like, where is this dude's game? Because his art is so amazing, right? And so that's why when I saw Hellboy was coming out, uh, well, w- going to be many years at that point. So this was like five years before Hellboy was going to come out. Um. Yeah, I saw that it was coming. It looks gorgeous, and it only got better and better um, over the years with screenshots and the animated GIFs and stuff. It looks so cool. And yeah, uh, yeah finally came out, finally played it. Really well done, very tight. It's, uh, it has some deep Zelda inspiration, I would guess. I'm not going to put you know words in developers' mouths, but like uh, stuff like the dialogue, it sounds like it came straight from Link to the Past. It's got that, you know, the... You know what I'm talking about? People who've played yeah. Link to the Past will know like, that's really satisfying. Like you get this soft kind of bah, 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 like when the words are typing and at the end you get that bleep, and it starts you start to crave it, you know? Like I want it, that little sound at the end. It's all nice like, touches a, like that. It's like the tweeting, right? Like just those little like the little animation of the letters just adds so much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it is a game about details, I think, because it's the kind of thing that really rewards you for looking uh, because there's so much animation. The art is so pretty. And I'm talking about a special kind of pixel art. I really am. Because there's pixel art games that look gorgeous, you know? And there's ones coming out, like uh, Chasm looks great. looks amazing, right? Um, I'm really feeling right now. Picture Final... That's what I, actually, I was explaining it to you, right? Picture Final Fantasy VI especially the final boss, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where everything just looks like there are no, okay, here's a sprite that's tiled and repeated, right? It's like this whole freaking thing was hand painted. And here's this giant monster and it's just this huge sprite. It's like that. The whole game looks like the best parts of Final Fantasy VI. That is so good. It's like the best, seriously, it's better than any other company's pixel art, you know? And Snake proved this on his, on his Twitter, like a little post, like, oh, here's how I would have made, you know, this Wario game or something. And it looks better than Nintendo did it. <laughs> Good God. 
It's just incredible art. I, I don't have enough good things to say about the art, but I do have some complaints about the game. Uh oh. They're small, and and look, look, I'm 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 looking for problems, right? Because everything else is so great. Like like it's polished well. The mechanics are really satisfying. Um, it's got everything you can want out of a side scrolling platformer, right? Um, I think that some of the design, there are some design problems. For, uh, for one thing, I think the game sometimes will give you a key before a door. And I don't mean that literally. I mean, you know, here's a tool. And you're like, cool, why would I want that? Right? Yeah. And then later you're like, oh, because here's the door, right? So it's the kind of thing where, like, and we talked about this, um, was it repeat after me, chest before key, right? Lock That's the kind of thing key. you want. You want to see, here's this chest. It's big. You've seen chests before, you know there's something good in there, but it's locked and there's a big old keyhole, right? So you will tear it up looking for that key because you want to get in that chest, right? And I forget what it was, but now, boy, it was something like, here's a new weapon or a new character or something. And I was like, I don't know why I need this. And I'm wandering around like shooting everything in the world because I don't know what what the thing is intended for, you know? And it might just be a problem that the game is a little, um, not too open-ended. I mean, open-endedness, like sandbox is like, that's not a problem, Right. But it could just be that I didn't go into the right place at the right time kind of thing. Right. But I, I, I felt that feeling, like that, that slight frustration um, more than once, which is why I noticed it. And again, it's because everything looks gorgeous and you're like, why isn't everything perfection? Because the pixels look like perfection, you know? Yeah. yeah so really just nitpicking. Like, there's some feeling, right? Just having that delay between the problem and the solution you know because right when you encounter the solution or when you encounter the the key first like you said you don't know what it's for and then when you get to the solution it takes away you know your feeling of accomplishment because you're like well i guess i'll just right. use this key that i have right here to unlock this door that's right in front of me right it's like almost like a no-brainer you know yeah and there's been uh gamma sutra articles um i could put links to this stuff in the show notes if i can find it there was this um super metroid invisible hand article i've probably put that in game dev treasure already uh there was also i want to say it was a game maker's toolkit about mm. Metroidvania. i love game so, maker's toolkit oh my god it's like the best youtube channel um i if i can find that stuff i'll put links to it in the show notes but basically it talks about st- how stuff like um and metroidvanias you will come to say um like the end of a path and you can't proceed you know that you need something a high jump or a better gun or whatever and a lot of times the flow of the design like the map will push you in that direction and give you a nice way out and it'll also make it memorable like like what super metroid will do is there's this area you can't get to but it's got this huge badass alien head that you have to walk through its mouth right you're going to remember that and that makes it all the more rewarding when you because that's that's your chest right that's your door and you're like where is my key and when you get the key you're like oh i got a new thing you remember that giant alien head right and so you know where to go and what that does is the side of like the the side effect really of of having the correct placement of key and door and stuff that puts you on a path where you know where to go and it gives you better familiarity with the environment does that make sense yeah like biostones right like i i think this is one of the things that our games have lacked with procedural generation and stuff right is that like kind of giving meaning to the world, right? Right. Like, oh, that's that room with the locked chest that I really wanted to get to, right? Whereas, you know, if you just came across it and unlocked it, you would have no reason to commit it to memory, perhaps. Exactly. Yeah. So, some little nitpicks there. Um, I, I also thought, like, and, you know, your miles will vary because some people will really like this part of it, but it, it's not my boat. Is, um, I'm a, I don't like the gameplay to be interrupted unless it's really important, you know? And... and Mega Man, Mega I, Man. I <laughs> exactly. And look, yeah, I know. I probably do this in my own games. Um, and I don't have any excuses. But here's my here's my overall complaint. Let's say I'm fighting a boss, right? There was this pirate boss shooting guns at me. And the dude would keep stopping gameplay and being like, blah, blah, blah. Like, And I'm not even listening because I'm like, oh, geez. He, he stopped me right when like I need... I need the context of where, like, momentum, velocity, where things are going, what's going to kill me next, what I had planned to do, how I was going to react to this boss monster. And instead, the simulation stops, I lose all momentum context, and I'm trying, like, what are you saying? Reading the dial. Okay, I'm going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hit the button again, and then, bleh, and then there goes the simulation again, and I'm, and I'm lost for a, a split second, you know? And this is not, like, a occasional thing. Th- this is a game that, to me, felt like, Here's a little gameplay, talk, talk, talk. Here's a little gameplay, talk, talk, talk. Here's a little gameplay, talk, talk, talk. And it doesn't break that pattern, even in a boss fight, where it's like, now everything's going down, the screen's shaking, look all these great sprites. Okay, hang on, I gotta tell you about 
something or other, you know? <laughs> something or other. And again, some people, will, they won't even care because it looks so pretty and the game is so well done and everything's polished and it sounds and looks amazing. And that maybe some people like dialogue a lot better than I do and they want the characters to have more life. That's cool. That's definitely a game for you, right? But to me, I, I found it really jarring. So here, here's my analogy, right? When you're in a movie theater, how often do they black out? They, fade, they, they go to black. They fade or it's an abrupt cut to black. And sometimes you can still hear stuff. You hear like, oh, you're underwater now. Or the sound of a door closed and you hear the echo. And now you hear like, ooh, like whispers in the darkness or something, right? The sound can still go, but they take away what is probably the core way to experience a movie or basically moving pictures, any kind, television, right? You take away the picture. You make it black, you make it solid white, whatever that is. That, to me, is the equivalent of you can't play the game right now. Right, like you go from I'm in the middle of an action sequence to here's some dialogue or like something else. Like the, the action stops. Right, that's how jarring it is to me. It's it's like you're in a movie, and all of a sudden, cut to black. Does that make sense? It does, but I feel I, like is that an unfair metaphor? Now comparison, like is that not? Well, I think that in movies, it's it's hopefully used well and artistically. Right, like I think hopefully. that that kind of a thing can really be beneficial. Right. Like I don't. It, it can when used sparingly, though, right? Like yeah, yeah. That's true. It's it's almost never in a movie. Do you see like oh yeah, that thing had like sixty cuts to black, right? <laughs> it, no, it's like it'll be in the middle of the movie or near a climax or something, and it is. It's used really sparingly, right? And it like it helps you hold a moment and stuff like that. You know, yeah. it, it takes you out of that experience for a reason. And and to me, like I think dialogue and cutscenes and stuff like that can have that effect in a game, but not when it's so constant. To me, right. Anyway. Or like at least not during boss fights or like, you know, very hectic right. kind of dexterity based challenges. Yeah. The the gameplay I was complaining about earlier where it's gameplay, dialogue, gameplay, dialogue. That's not uncommon. You see that a lot even in like, I don't know, maybe Mario 64 even. Like there there's a decent amount of talking in there. Like there's way more action stuff, right? But that's the part that really made me notice it uh, and how glaring it was, was during the boss fight. I'm like, give me... A minute you know this is supposed to be the action sequence this is supposed to be non-stop action right i think it's kind of a similar discussion we had about borderlands and some other games i think that another game that we were talking oh, about was bioshock yeah um where they, they tried to kind of combat that issue by having these recordings right like you you pick up this tape and it starts playing this like blah 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 blah, blah like but it doesn't take you out of the action which you know is a step in the right direction i think but yeah even with that stuff, I ended up, you know, you can't even you can't even listen to intently to what this recording is saying while you're trying to dodge bullets and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think I've talked about that with Borderlands before. I have this one really concise memory, though, of like I walked into this battle arena or something and there was a tape playing, which, I mean, yeah, some of this is, is my fault as a player for picking the timing on these. Some of it is my fault as a player for not doing things in the order that they wanted in this sandbox game. Sure, right? But there there's ways to design around it. There's ways for the game developers to throw you a bone and prevent these situations, right? So I walked in this battle arena. I had a tape playing. I think I, I, think I caused the tape to play. But then also um, a narrator of some kind, probably the last boss who would like tease you throughout the game, popped up and was talking. And I got attacked by a bunch of monsters. So I don't understand anything that's happening anymore. Right? <laughs> and and to me, it's completely the game's fault. It's the game being like, like, like it had like like a coughing fit or a sneezing fit or something, you right. know? Because I'm like, there's two people talking to me. I don't know who to listen to. I can barely keep it together. And these monsters are all attacking me. Which gun did I have? I, I got four different Like, What's going on, you know? Right. Really confusing, confusing mess of an experience. Um, and, you know, to be fair, that was... I've played Borderlands, I don't know, 60 hours or more, those, those right. games. Well, it's and that's like, a few and far between kind of thing. But when it does happen, you're like, oh, man, they could have, you know, polished those edges, right? It's okay to criticize stuff that you like. <laughs> it's fine. I have a it's hard good. time with it. I mean, that's the thing. It's a game development podcast. People who make these games might be listening. And I want them to know that I'm not just like, your thing was garbage. And there was just one right. thing that ruined the whole experience for me, you know? Right. I don't know. No, I need, I, I need to sense. own. I need to own my opinions. I think you're right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that we do a pretty good job of, you know, saying that it's just an opinion, and you know, it's one nitpick among a sea of greatness in a lot of yes. cases. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Me having played Borderlands for sixty, eighty hours, like whatever it was, that my actions right speak louder. Hopefully, than me complaining about this or that. Right. 
But um, yeah, I think you know the game overall is great, and if you like that kind of a game, like if you like you know '90s style platformers that look great and clearly have a lot of love put into them, then I think that's a good way to go. Our boy. Nice. I hope they did well. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'd be interested to see a postmortem, you know, especially for a game that took so long to make, right? Like, it would be really cool to see, you know, how much money did they invest in it? You know, did they recoup yeah. their losses? Like, what do they think about the final product? How was the reception? Blah, blah, blah. How do you how do you make a game for, was it nine years? Seven years? Oh, yeah. It was it, I had so long. How do you it's afford crazy. to do that? <clears throat> yeah. I, I want to make a game for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't afford to do that. Yeah. Uh, at some point, there were um, camera crews on their team. I don't know if we're getting another indie game, the movie, or if it's like a documentary or something, but I, I hope we will get some kind of behind the scenes, like high quality video of um, of their team. Because, yeah, the making of Owlboy would be really cool to watch. Yeah, that would be cool. There does seem to be a lot more uh, like kind of game sometimes game development, sometimes just gaming in general, documentaries on Netflix and stuff. Yeah. That's so true. I'm always on the lookout for more of that kind of stuff. Well, enough about me and my shaky opinions. Um, what are you playing? <laughs> shaky opinions. <laughs> I'm going to stick to my guns. That's right. Um, I haven't really been playing a lot of stuff outside of HOTS at the moment. It's been uh, it's been busy, busy. But uh, my new thing in HOTS, is, as you've experienced, is now going random. Yeah, going random. So, to explain that. So, I uh, I was getting really sort of bored with the game uh in some ways and i decided to give myself a challenge and just have the computer auto select um a hero for me to play which is like you know as we talked about on the podcast before like it's really hard to be good and to know how to play everybody exactly Um, but i feel like it's really up to my game (laughs) because it kind of forces me out of my comfort zone and forces me into roles or heroes that i don't really know very well but i have a really strong foundation uh of the gameplay in general right so i I can usually do pretty well um because i know you know okay i'm by myself don't attack people like an idiot right or (laughs) you know we should go for this objective now or we should get this camp now regardless of what my character's actual skills happen to be right um but it also really helps when playing against those heroes later because i have a lot better understanding like zarya for example is a warrior and i ever just i had no idea what she was about you know yeah, like shoot by the other team, and she'd be lobbing grenades at me, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Like, stop attacking me. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I've got a lot of friends who play Overwatch, so it's interesting to see. Like, I'll say Zarya, and it might be new to us because as Hots players, we're like, who's Zarya? What's she all about? And they're like, yeah, Zarya, right? And that's interesting because they know what to expect, but we don't necessarily, right? So, like, when you're playing here, you're like, you know, you you might feel like your brain's in a different body than normal, right? Yeah, but I learned that her shields. Anytime someone attacks someone with her shields on, it gives her energy and the energy causes her damage to increase. Right. So like, uh, I didn't know that before. And so it was a good, it was a good thing to find out. And oh, now you I know. only found that out when you had picked her through yes. the auto random. Wow. Yeah. So what I try to do is when I'm actually, uh, trying to play huts, which is not so much recently, I will, uh, at least do this. This is the way that you should do it in my opinion. New character comes out, which is like, what, every two or three weeks at this point? Yeah, that right? about that. It's pretty often. It definitely once a month at least. Yeah. And what I'll do is I'll watch the video. It's almost always like a three to five minute, you know, here's this character. And it's like super polished on some of the Blizz Heroes YouTube channel and stuff. And that gives you a nice kind of high level. But, you know, watching is not the same thing as playing, like I was um, complaining about earlier, right? So there's a try mode in... Um, Here's the storm, which is pretty cool. You can play any character at any time in this little sandbox where you can do stuff like pick the stats that you want, level to any level that you want. You can spawn certain characters. It just gives you this nice sandbox where you can test stuff out, right? And like, you know, when I was playing more, I would do that with each new character just to kind of get a feel for like, okay, so that's their Q, this is their W, this is their E, this is, these are their ults, so they're capable of doing this or that. Like, how how can they ruin my day is what I want to find out, right? Because <laughs> I don't want to play as them yet, or maybe I do, but I don't know that, right? Yeah, the try mode is really cool. For some reason, I have a, I don't know, like I, I have trouble absorbing information in some of those formats, like... I do tend to read the abilities, but like for some reason, you know, when I see a tooltip with a whole bunch of text on it, I'm like, eh. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. Um, I have tried try mode a few times, but 
it never felt consequential, you know, like, I don't know. I, I prefer to learn by, you know, just being like having it matter, you know? Yeah. That's a tricky thing. You know, um, having it matter. I, I, I found that that's the reason I, I can't practice sometimes, like whether it's game dev or whether it's, I want to draw something. That's a bigger one. I think is like, I'm tired of just practicing in isolation. I want to do something with meaning, something that matters, right? Something that I'm going to release to the world or something that someone is waiting for, or there needs to be like a reason to do it. Right. Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing as you're talking about. Well, like in try mode, it doesn't matter what you do. You can go kill yourself. No one's going to complain at you. And you're not, that's the thing too. You're not really learning. Cause I remember when I was playing earlier, like when I first started playing, I would play versus AI a lot because I was so, you know, barely comfortable with the mechanics. I barely knew what the buttons did. I didn't know who in the world all these characters were. And I would just regularly get my face eaten. Right. Right. And in versus AI, it's like, yeah, it's cooperative. You get to play with other people and you can learn from them and you can learn in this nice protected sandbox, but there's no real risk. And you're probably going to win because humans are smarter than uh, Blizzard has been able to make the computers so far. Right. Right. Um, and then I remember you made the point where you're like, okay, yeah, you learned that character, but like, did you really learn how to play that character? Like, not really, because playing against humans is so vastly different than playing against any machine, especially, especially in Heroes of the Storm, right? Like, the enemy heroes, their AI just never really surprises you, whereas humans almost always do. Like, how many times have you been like, oh, man, that Nova got me. I forgot they've got a stealthy. Why was I over there? Why was I by myself? Like, that's never really going to punish you against the computer. Right. Yeah, they're exactly. not going to hunt you. They're, they're just going to like hang out and be like, here we are, derp. <laughs> we're, you know, we're using some heuristic algorithm. This seemed like the best thing to do. Whereas a human would be like conniving and be like, you know what? I think that Sylvanas wanted over here. I'm going to go kill her. Right. Yeah. Like the computer is not going to think that. And totally. I think that was a good point. Like it got me to that point too, where um, my solution is if I want to learn a new character, I play them in quick match, not versus AI. I just turn off chat. So if <laughs> no one's going to be like, God, it's the worst Mirrodin I've ever seen. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. I don't care. You can chat away, say whatever you want. I don't care because I can't hear it. Uh, That's my solution. That's a good solution. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think it's a better way to practice stuff, right? Because, you know, like in try mode, you have, you get all these talents at once. It's like almost, I, I think, bad, right? Because you're being overloaded with decisions that you don't have to make right away. And it doesn't give you the time to like, let them sink in right, right. Um, whereas you know playing an actual game you know you pick one talent at a time every so many levels and so it's kind of like it comes in you know the decisions come in drips and drabs instead of like pick 14 different talents or whatever yeah <laughs> like, i don't even know anything about this character what do you want me to do i mean i, I guess think... you could play it slowly but like i don't know it's hard when you're in try mode and nothing matters anyway and you're just like click 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 yeah, there's just no meaning to your decisions, right? Yeah. I mean, I think what it's good for is, like, you know, you get to fire a gun a few times. You know what the kickback's like, you know how far it goes, you know what kind of damage it's going to do, and you're like, all right, fine, you know, but you weren't really in combat, you know? Right. You then have to thing, go to uh, the target range, at least, and, you know, try and do something meaningful. Exactly. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. But there is a big difference. It's almost like shipping a game versus just working on one and not shipping it, right? Like, I've seen this um, from other developers, as you learn 90% um, of what you need to know about your game by going through the shipping process. So if you just work right. on games, just work on games, you never ship any of them, you're only learning 10% of what you need to know. I feel like there was someone who was working on a January project that had that issue. Or maybe it wasn't January, but the, someone in Discord was talking about that, like how... You know, oh, like, you know, I rarely package things up. And so there's a whole bunch of, you know, things that happen, right? Yeah. That you didn't expect. Right. And it's true. It is. Like, just uh, wrapping the bows up and everything is like, you know, it's, it's a whole bunch more work. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've been trying, to, I've got these, like, I've talked about this briefly, this, like, daily habits thing. And I've been trying to get myself to play some new games. I've also, uh, I've played out some of, um, played some of the games my wife's been working on. I don't really want to talk about those though. I don't think she, she wants me to, um, but she works on mobile games and I try to keep up, not just so I know more about what, uh, is going on in her life, but also so I get a better finger on my pulse of mobile games, you know, cause like, it's relatively easy for me to keep up with, that's not even true. It's hard for me to keep up with steam games, right? So it's even harder for me to keep up with mobile games. Cause I'm more of a traditionally console desktop computer PC, you know, like I, I love gaming on my phone, but I, um, like I'm not even mobile that much these days. I'm not out and about, you know, like I don't have an hour long commute or something that would get me 
playing more phone games and stuff. So I've been trying to make a conscious effort to play more mobile games um, and to go through this Steam queue, which is like every time I look at it, I'm like, I gotta play one of these. And I get that problem where I'm like, which of these 30 should... Nope, HOTS. <laughs> <laughs> like the decision to pick which game gets... gets uh, you know, destroyed by like new hero today or whatever is going on. But I really <clears throat> trying to break that habit. Yeah. And get more into playing new games. Right. We say that a lot, but you know, it's just habit is a, uh, <laughs> like, how do you, it's hard, to, break, so right? hard to change. It does. I've heard uh, like psychological papers and crap. Like it takes two or three weeks to form a habit, you know? And like, that's the other thing too, is juggling too many balls, right? Like I'm trying to learn Spanish. I'm, I'm, there's lots of stuff I'm trying to do right now and there's just not enough time of the day. And you know, what's at the bottom of the list is playing new games, you know, outside <laughs> of all the like responsibilities of life and work and family and, and friends and everything at the bottom is like, Oh Matt, you have so many games you got to play. <laughs> what are you doing? So, you know, I'm full of excuses. Is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Well, they're legitimate excuses. I really um, do want to start a game club and I would, I would want you to be part of this club. I would want our listeners to be part of this club. We we talked about that like the game dev book club right where you game dev book club. everybody maybe we should do it like in a very like slow basis right like uh, at the beginning of the month we'll choose a game and talk about it on the podcast mm. and then everybody has the entire month because like I was thinking it could be a weekly thing but that's you know a week yeah. is such a short amount of time you know it really is yeah every Tuesday it crops up I'm like wow is it lost cast time already already like today I you just know, talked to that jerk <laughs> I don't want to talk to him anymore. <laughs> Uh, but yeah like yeah. maybe you know first podcast of the month we choose a game and then you know we and whoever else wants to play it can find the time in their busy schedules or not yeah uh over the course of the month and then we'll talk about it in the podcast at the end of the month is this the first podcast this month i think it is damn it <laughs> you just put us on the spot jeff all right well quick let's pick a game all right um so you go to your queue and we'll pick something that sounds goodish Maybe something that you've uh, you've heard of before that you were interested in, and uh, we'll say, "Hey, everybody, check it out!" And then whoever wants to can, and then we can all compare notes. Yeah, I wonder if we should. Tr- nah, that's not really going to work. I was going to say, like, if, should they be free games? That way, everybody can try them out, regardless of what their financial situation is. But the problem is, there's just too many freaking games to play. Like, there's so many paid games I want to play. You know, I would say it doesn't have to be free. You know, like yeah. books aren't free, so and that's it's an true. opt-in thing. Like, you know, if people don't want to buy a game that's perfectly fine that's true all right so are we picking a game today for this month sure rampage nights rampage nights all right there it this is. was gifted to us and we both have it and oh, it's great. a um online multiplayer so i think listeners can play with us if they want to play along i think that's a good way to start right like later on maybe we'll do single player games but we can make it more communal for now at least to start nice rampage nights um all right rest of the game we're gonna play and we're gonna talk about it so it has the, been decided. <laughs> it's been decided. So yes. Yeah, so the first so the last last podcast of this month will be the twenty eighth. So yep. on February twenty eighth, last cast. You make some notes, Matt, because I won't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not the best note taker either. We're gonna we're gonna talk about rampage nights. Yes. Things we liked, things we didn't. And we're gonna play it together, me and you. Oh, we are. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for signing me up it's for that. Online online multiplayer. That's right. Next time you ping me and you're like, Hots, I'll be like, Rampage Nights. And then I'll be like, Jeff has gone offline. appreciate everyone listening and uh thanks everyone again for participating in january we love it um i'm sorry that it's going to be a whole another year for january but maybe that could be like a mid-year jam january <laughs> mid-january junior january <laughs> that jam. doesn't work at all how about how about it jam? takes, it takes <laughs> jam completely out of the mix how about <laughs> january <laughs> I don't know why that people be smart. That's really stupid. Probably because it's so stupid. How about Jam Lie? Jam. What? Oh, jam. for July? Yeah. Jam Lie. <laughs> God, that is, that's awkward. Jam Dude. Lie. Jam Lie. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 
Um, we'll, you know, we'll we had uh, we had another question from Dan Nagel. Oh, did we? Yeah, it's a, it's an easy one to answer though, so I just take a second. It's a very appropriate here at the end. Uh, since the forum is now dead, where do I? Oh, no, that's not the one. Status of first-party projects, including IGS Soul Thief and Jeff's Tactics game. Jeff's Tactics game. Actually, uh, is, is there any status? There is a status. What's the status? <laughs> you don't dead. sound very excited for my <laughs> for my tactics game, Matt. <laughs> You're is like, it Love of Blade 2? You're like, what is it? What is, Let's what hear is it. Let's hear it. Give me the bad news. Actually, Jeff's tactics game, uh, as exists before, is probably dead. But, well, not dead. Obviously not being worked on. So throw it in the LDG pile. That's right. However, uh, at my contract gig that I'm working on, I am now working on a tactics game. Oh, you mentioned that. I heard whispers. Yeah. Earlier. So it's a, it's a green light, huh? It's a green light on the tactics game. So that's wow. a lot of fun. Um, I'm getting to... It's pretty cool. I, I have quite a bit of rain um, over how it gets designed and stuff. So wow, going to be pretty cool. So it's, uh, I'm working on a, a multiplayer first game company. That is, nice. uh, that's going to be fun. So, so it's like not going to be like a, it's not going to be like a tactics thing. It's going to be more like versus advanced war advanced wars type okay of thing. cool but like multiplayer only not no single player campaign whatsoever gotcha so yeah. so you and me are going to play some games of jeff tactics games against yes. each other yes we will yeah nice. i'll make you test with me let's see i would call that second party because it's not <laughs> going to be an ldg game no although an ldg dude is making it yes but it so. sort of fits the category of jeff's tactics game yeah so I think that's all the all that we have to report there. Yeah. Well, you know, Soul Thief is sort of on hold for all the reasons we've talked about on previous casts. Um, you know, I think that we'll come back to that at some point, but now is not the right time because of you know work and other things. And uh, I don't know. We also talked about IGS a bit too. So yeah, I'm gonna do uh, an update. <clears throat> it's not gonna be too major. It's gonna have some new content, some features people have been requesting, and I'm gonna do along with it. I've actually been preparing a significant. Um, I don't know if I'd call it a post-mortem. It's kind of more of a... I wouldn't call it a pre-mortem. <laughs> pre-mortem. <laughs> uh, I guess I suppose it is a post-mortem, but I'm calling it the making... Let's see. Making an indie game about indie game making. Say that three times fast. Making... Making indie. an indie no. game about indie game making. That's what it's called. Anyway, uh, I'm going to post that along... Uh, this new article along with uh, an update to the game. But um, I don't know, man. That's That's probably about all that game's going to get. So when this update comes out, are you going to use a visibility round, and are you going to track? Yeah, I am, baby. Stuff you know and, it. And see, you know it. Do experiments. <laughs> That's the reason I'm doing it. Nice. That and creativity. Yeah. Stuff. Well, you need an outlet yeah. for that stuff. Yeah, you know, got to put my garbage somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to express myself, or I'm going to explode. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we have to report there. Thanks for caring. Thanks for the question. Um, and thanks for the questions to Steven. Thanks for participating in the jam. Thanks for listening. Thanks for our patrons. Thanks for Twitter. Yeah, just thanks, everybody. Ship it.
Wow, it got dark um, while we were recording, too. Yes, it did. <clears throat> Bedtime.